All right, everyone, welcome to another Monday edition of Hearts Home Half with your host, yours truly, Austin Hart. Just another social media reminder, I like to do this at the beginning of every podcast. I have the social media up and running now for Hearts Home Half, both on Twitter and Instagram at Hearts Home Half. I'm usually giving updates on every single episode that drops, um, and I'll try and be as active on there as possible. So if you give me a follow on either of those platforms, any support, really, really appreciate all of that. So, let's get into a big episode today because there's a lot to talk about in the state of Florida, particularly with the biggest sports going around in the state of Florida right now. We're going to start out with the NBA where the Heat, although they dropped Game 3 in Atlanta to go down 2-1 in the series, they came back with a vengeance in Game 4. So we will break that down, talk about how the Heat have taken now a 3-1 series lead going into Game 5 tomorrow. The Rays also got a couple of huge series wins this past week, and the Marlins were able to take their weekend series over rival Atlanta Braves. So fantastic weekend for Miami against against Atlanta. Give you a sneak peek on that. And then the Lightning and the Panthers played last night, and wow, it was a wild night because the Bolts snapped the Panthers 13. game winning streak in a crazy 8-4 barn burner. So we'll go over that game as well. Um, And definitely, we are going to have to round it out with some college baseball and a little weekend update um, from the action that we just had. So, like I said, we're going to start out talking about the Miami Heat like we usually do because they're rolling right now in the first round of the playoffs. They took a tough one-point loss in Game 3. Uh, against the Hawks in Atlanta. They saw Kyle Lowry depart with a hamstring injury in that game, and the Hawks had a way better shooting night than in games one and two. But after that night, there was no way that Jimmy was going to let that shit happen again, especially after he kind of missed a last-second shot that probably could have sealed a 3-0 series lead right there for the Heat and put them in position for a sweep in game four. Both Jimmy and Max Strews provided 20 points in that game, and Hero finally provided a huge performance off the bench at a nice 24-point clip with seven boards and four assists to go along with that. But some late Trey Young heroics, uh, that really lifted the Hawks past the Heat barely in that game. That that was the one game where Trey was really able to get a little more into his comfort zone, especially there in the fourth quarter, and overcome that stingy Heat defense. But again, like I said, after a game like that where Jimmy misses a potential game winner, I mean, watch out for what he's going to do in Game 4. He's not going to let that shit happen again. And boy, did he and that Heat defense show out last night in Game 4. 110-86 to win for the Heat. Another blowout for them to now take a 3-1 series lead, like we mentioned. He started out kind of slow. But Jimmy got going in the seconds. Jimmy Buckets led the team with 36 points in the game, 10 10 boards to make that a double-double to pair along with four assists, four steals, and a block. I mean, the does-it-all man does it again as the rest of the starting Heat lineup around him actually performed very, very well in this game as well in the absence of Kyle Lowry. Every starter scored in double digits. Gabe Vincent was a great fill in for the absent Lowry provided a few big threes down the stretch as well so great to see some great play out of Gabe Vincent as well um, in the absence of veteran presence Kyle Lowry 
the one thing I did want to talk about, though, and like, like we had mentioned a little bit earlier, the biggest story of this game and possibly the whole series so far has been Miami's lockdown defense. I mean, we said that Jimmy played well. The rest of that offense played well around him. But limiting the Hawks to 86 points, I mean, they're they're clamping down on this Hawks team, and specifically Trey Young. That's really been the key to their success because Atlanta star player, he can't get going. He can't create any type of offense that Atlanta's so used to him being able to create. I mean, he just had another porous night last night. He only got nine points and five assists, but also five turnovers. Miami's stout defense is just running such a great game plan against him. As long as they can keep it up in Game 5, they're going to be cruising to the next round. Again, like we said, Game 5, that is going to be tomorrow night in Miami, back to Miami. And it's going to start at 7 p.m. for tip-off. So really, really excited to see if Miami can close out this series and give themselves a lot of time for some rest. Hopefully getting Kyle Lowry back to full strength. That would be very, very huge going into the next series. So, talking about the Heat a little bit, that was an awesome win for them in Game 4 after Game 3, but now let's talk about some baseball, specifically the major leagues in the state of Florida. We'll start out talking about the Tampa Bay Rays, because they've improved quite a bit after dropping last weekend's series that we talked about last Monday's pod to the White Sox. They were actually able to complete series wins over both the Chicago Cubs and the Boston Red Sox this week. To start out in Chicago, the Rays dropped the first game of three, unfortunately, after Shane McClanahan rung up nine Ks for the Rays on the mound. Looked phenomenal, but the Rays could only get to Kyle Hendricks of the Cubs for two runs, their, their starter. And the bullpen for the Rays finally faltered and gave up some runs late for a loss, a bullpen that, that's been looking so sharp for Tampa Bay thus far into the season. But... The Rays were able to win the next two behind some much better offensive performances, including a three for five day or a three for five night, excuse me, from Wander Franco in game two, included his first home run of the season, massive day for him, and a big two for three day from Francisco Mejia in game three, included three RBIs and another home run for him. He's been looking great at the plate uh, for the Rays. Absolutely fantastic. So then the Rays, they headed back home to host the division rival Red Sox for three games, usually able to pull a pretty big crowd on a weekend series for that. And boy, the Rays did. Again, they dropped game one of the series. It was a tough uh, one-run loss. Wander Franco, though, another star shining bright. The prodigy had his first multi-home run game of his career in the effort. But unfortunately, the Rays fell just short. He pretty much provided the only offense for the Rays that night, which was a little unfortunate. Um... But maybe that was the spark that they needed, Wander Franco's incredible offense in that first game against the Red Sox. Because in the next two games, dominant pitching in Game 2 led to a combined no-hitter for the Rays in nine innings. But they had to go to ten innings for Kiermaier to walk it off and finally push some runs across because we could literally get no run support that entire game. How frustrating is that? Your pitcher's throwing a combined no-hitter out there and you can't even get a run to seal it in regulation. I mean, that's annoying. But got the win nonetheless. And you're coming out in Game 3. Sugar Shane McClanahan, you know, really redeems himself after not being able to get that win against the Cubs. He comes out and deals after a rough first inning, going seven strong to shut down the Red Sox and get the first win for a Rays starting pitcher this year. G-Man Choi also continues to stay hot at the plate. Red hot, this guy. I mean, a massive two RBI double off the wall 
fueled the Rays' rally for the win in that Game 3. I mean, G-Man Choi is looking like one of the best hitters in baseball right now. And it's so, so awesome to see that. Hopefully, again, like we've talked about before, I just really, really am hoping that the rest of that offense, the rest of that lineup can continue to come together and be a little more consistent around G-Man Choi, Warner Franco, the pretty much two of the most consistent guys the Rays have been counting on offensively this year. So we'll talk about the Marlins a little bit after uh, after a good Rays week. The Marlins had a great weekend actually themselves. So they dropped a three-game set to the Cardinals earlier this week. They were able to get one win out of that set. But they bounced right back to continue Miami's dominance over Atlanta, like I talked about in the open. Uh, this week they were able to get two massive wins over the Braves. Traveling to face off in Atlanta against the Braves, they dropped game one similar to the Rays did, after Kyle Wright for the Braves. I mean, he was downright filthy against the Marlins lineup. They just couldn't get anything going. Uh, He just looked phenomenal on the mound. But games two and three, much, much different for the Marlins. Game two consisted of an absolute shootout of offenses. But Jazz Chisholm, here, here, let me me give you this stat line. Led the way for Miami with a leadoff home run, a double, two singles, three RBI, scored three runs, and stole two bases. The dude was a triple shy of the cycle and had a phenomenal game at the plate. I mean, talk about this guy almost every podcast, again, for good reason. I have this guy on my fantasy team. Like, I, I absolutely love him as long as he can stay healthy and stay consistent at this rate. I mean... Dude, who's gonna who's gonna stop him, man? Who's gonna stop him? It's such a such a great combination of skill, speed, power, talent. That guy has it all. Swagger. I mean, just the guys guys got everything in a baseball player. It's fantastic. Uh, another great thing to see was some great timely hitting coming from Avasail Garcia. Joey Wendell, Jesus Aguilar, Jorge Soler, a lot of names that the Marlins brought, uh, brought in specifically last year and Jesus Aguilar a couple years before. They helped propel the fish to victory in that game too. And in game three, Jesus Luzardo, we've talked about a couple times, he looked nice again. Racked up eight strikeouts in five innings, really having a nice resurgence so far into this season after coming over from the Athletics. Garrett Cooper also for the Marlins had a monster 3-for-4 day for the team. Three RBIs paired with some nice consistency throughout that entire lineup. Really, really nice to see out of Miami. They're going to be traveling to Washington tomorrow to start another three-game set against the Nationals. So some good baseball, Major League talk right there. Major League Baseball talk right there uh, with the Rays and the Marlins. But now let's go to the ice and talk about a wild, wild game last night again, uh, between the Lightning and the Panthers because the Panthers have had a phenomenal run during this pretty much last stretch of the season, winning 13 games in a row. Yes, I am not making that number up. They won their last 13 games in a row coming into this matchup against the Lightning last night. Uh, I mean, who, who I have this down. They, they hadn't lost since March 27th. That is nuts. That is pretty much a, a month ago. Recording this on April 25th, though, they haven't lost in a month. Um, well, they lost yesterday, so hadn't lost pretty much almost in a month. They had beat... They had beaten the Canadians, the Blackhawks, the Devils, the Predators, the Ducks, Jets, Islanders, the Red Wings twice, the Sabres twice, and the Maple Leafs twice. I mean, they went on an absolute tear 
But kudos to Lightning for finally snapping that streak last night with an 8-4 win in Sunrise, in the Panthers' house. That is a very hard thing to do because the Panthers have been absolutely dominant so far at home this season. They posted an NHL best 34-7 record at home this season. I mean, that's going to make home home ice advantage for them in the playoffs extremely dangerous. And while it was kind of tough that they lost their last home game of the regular season, the Panthers did, um, they still maintain a league-leading 120 points in the standings. They're one of the best teams in hockey, if not the best. And they continue to be the highest-scoring team in the NHL as well. So they're breaking records all over the place. But again, back to last night, that Bolt's offense literally electric the pun intended never surrendering surrendering the lead against florida with the exception of when the score was tied only one to one and three to three they were never uh they never succumbed the the lead to the panthers i guess is what i should have said um but two goals for from newcomer nick paul at the uh who he acquired at the deadline from the Blackhawks, I believe, that was key in the game, including a really gnarly shorthanded goal between the legs. Sensational play. I think it was like number two on ESPN's top ten or something. What a great goal. I have to go back and replay that if you haven't seen it. Um, also great offensive contributions from Kucherov and Stamkos. They each added two goals themselves. But the biggest story, I think, of this game was penalties. These two game, these two teams are really going to be squaring off with each other with a lot of intensity come playoffs. I mean, it's going to get real chippy. You can see it in this game. The Panthers suffered a total of 15 penalties last night. That accumulated 66 total minutes of penalty time, while the Lightning incurred nine penalties with 24 total minutes. So not quite the minute total, but almost up there in terms of how many penalties the Lightning got in comparison with the Panthers. I mean, this was that that discrepancy, though I will say, was pretty big for the Lightning because they scored in three out of the seven power plays that the Lightning were granted off of Panthers penalties, and they also scored shorthanded in one of the power plays that the Panthers had gotten it as well. So, I mean, just you could just see how chippy it was getting between these teams, two Florida teams that really do not like each other. I mean, if they face off against each other in the playoffs, you know it is going to be one hell of a battle and one that's going to be very anticipated not only by a lot, a lot of fans here in the state of Florida, but probably a lot of pros and analysts as well that want to see how two of these really big heavyweights in the NHL are going to shake out in a seven-game or yeah, seven-game series. Uh, so great, great game last night between the Lightning and the Panthers. Only uh, I think three to four games left for each team to go left in the regular season before we hit the playoffs. So before we're going to round it out for today, a little college baseball recap from this weekend. And before I get into the Florida teams specifically, want to quickly shout out a player that I, here I have mentioned before. My boy, the Sunday starter uh, playing baseball for Bryant University. He had one of the best outings of his career yesterday. Logan Frazier, through three innings, he cruised, only allowing two runs and racked up eight strikeouts for a career high. I just wanted to say congrats to my boy and Brian Baseball on that big dub over Sacred Heart. I mean, what an outing from him. Looked phenomenal on the mound. Uh, he's just been, it looks like he's improved in every single start so far this season for that Bryant squad. So, extremely happy for him. Good shit, Logan Frazier. 
Um, so now, getting into the Florida teams and what they were able to, to accomplish this weekend. Miami probably had the best weekend in the state. Uh, number five ranked coming into the weekend. They were able to prevail in a series win over their ACC rival Pitt. Saturday was the only day that the Canes really couldn't get their offense booming like they normally have gotten it going all season. But on Friday and Sunday, they combined for a total of 26 runs in both of those games, and that was more than enough to secure a couple of the wins on those days and now propel Miami to number three in the nation as the rankings just came out today. They're going to be facing off against Stetson tomorrow night in the midweek game. Should hopefully be an easy win for them, and then they'll be traveling to Georgia Tech this weekend for another ACC matchup. FSU baseball had a slightly disappointing weekend this weekend after winning five straight against ranked teams. They unfortunately dropped the weekend series against their ACC opponent, the Clemson Tigers. Some late rallies there by Clemson against the Knowles and both of their wins definitely hurt. Uh, it was on Friday and Sunday, I believe, the Clemson were able to get those close wins. Um, but the starting pitching again this weekend, it looked pretty dominant for the Knowles in comparison to the bullpen, which kind of let up those late rallies again, and uh, the offense wasn't able to make up for it as late as they were in the game. So uh, FSU will hopefully look to get back on track this week. I actually do not know who they're slated to play. I can figure that out real quick. I feel like I did this last time. I wasn't even prepared. I'm so sorry. God, this is pathetic. Okay, they're facing off against TCU this upcoming weekend. So no midweek game for them this week, but they will face off against TCU at home. Uh, and I do not I do not believe TCU is ranked at the moment. I will have to check on that, though. Maybe a fact check on that. But uh, in terms of other teams in the state of Florida, the Gators, they had probably the worst weekend out of pretty much all the teams. They got completely swept by the number one ranked team in the nation in Tennessee. I feel like they were really just hoping they could steal one uh, from them, but I think this was almost expected. With the way Tennessee has been rolling this season, they've been an absolute powerhouse. The Gators just couldn't match up to their firepower. I mean, in the first couple games, even even when they went up four in the final game, they couldn't hold off a massive rally by the Vols uh, that allowed them to complete the sweep over Florida. So really, really tough weekend for them there in SEC play. Uh, not sure actually who they're going to be playing this weekend either. Damn, I, I can't. Take me too much time to look that up. Sorry about that. But I will I will be able to figure that out, and I'll be able to give updates on the next pod on Thursday. But in other news, UCF baseball, they were able to complete a sweep this weekend against Wofford. Uh, and FAU baseball was able to come up with a nice series win against Old Dominion. Also wanted to shout out another one of my boys, Jacob Josie, made his first start on the mound since February 25th of this year. Going six and two-thirds and not letting some early offense from Old Dominion phase him looked really, really great. Um, again, in his first starting since February. Shout out to him as well. Jacob Josie, been pitching really, really well this season, man. Keep it up. I know you have worked your way back through a lot of stuff, so you are absolutely balling, my guy. Keep it grinding. So that is pretty much going to round it out, I think, for this episode of Hearts Home Half. A lot of good topics today. Um, a lot of great recaps over some great performances by a lot of teams in the state of Florida. Um, and hopefully we're going to look that they all continue to keep it rolling, especially the heat in the playoffs, the lightning and the Panthers as they push toward the playoffs and the Rays and the Marlins as they're continuing to get their regular season rolling, uh, just a couple weeks removed from opening weekend. 
So thank you so much again for tuning in to this episode of Hearts Home Half. I'm your host, Austin Hart. Uh, hit the, if you want to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Hearts Home Half, you can find me on both of those platforms there. Really appreciate any of the support again on either of those. Um, but until next time, until next Thursday's episode of Hearts Home Half, I'm Austin Hart, and I'll see you next time.